Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry. I'm your host, Chris Kaufman. I'm here with Alf Artiaga and Simon Clancy. All three of us are here this time uh, for once. Uh, and we're going to talk about the upcoming Cincinnati Bengals game that Miami Dolphins are traveling on the road to play Cincinnati in their house after just getting their butts whooped by the Patriots in their house. So hopefully things will go a little bit better this week, but we're going to discuss it. Uh, we've got some news to get through with the Miami Dolphins this week. Um, there have been some surprising maneuvers, I guess. Uh, defensive tackle Jordan Phillips has been cut by the Miami Dolphins, uh, apparently after a week or two of attempting to trade him around the league. That failed, and so they just decided to cut him. And uh, they've also made some other moves with um, Daniel Kilgore going on injured reserve. They have signed Wesley Johnston. We can talk about him in a minute. Promoted off of the practice squad. Uh, Cameron Malveaux, the defensive end, who can also play defensive tackle. Simon, were you were you really shocked by the uh, Jordan Phillips move? Uh, were you shocked by um, – well, were you shocked by how he's playing this season even before they made the move? I was shocked initially just because it was like, wow, okay, it's another second-round pick kind of flushed. Mm -hmm. But actually, when you talk to people and you look at the tape, I don't think it was a massive surprise. I mean, he had clearly performed well, I think, spring and summer, and essentially just fallen to the bottom of the depth chart, I think, in terms of defensive tackle rotation. Like Vincent Taylor started the season really well. I think Davin Godchow's played well. I think Akeem Spencer's played well. And I just think Phillips has failed to keep up. And if you're going to do that in a contract year... You know, because I think we all thought that in a contract year we would get his patently his best season, that he would be a, a, as good a, as he's been and better than at any point during his duration in Miami. And I think to have played down to your contract season rather than played up, I think was a damning indictment of a guy who I don't think really got it physically, mentally. I, I just don't think football meant enough to Jordan Phillips. And I, I think it's sad, but I think the NFL is littered with people who have a ridiculous amount of talent and just don't quite have what it takes to maximize that. So ultimately, I don't think when you throw the tape on, I don't think it's surprising. I mean, I don't think he was ever 
great against the run, which I think was pretty shocking considering his size. Mm. I think, you know, there are times when he could collapse a pocket, but those times were few and far between, I think. So, no, I wasn't overly surprised in the cold light of day. Alf, you? Well, we already saw this coach cut somebody who wasn't the fourth defensive tackle in the depth chart. He could have started running back last year. So why wouldn't he cut some guy who, according to reports, got into it with Rayquan McMillan on the sidelines? Be fair. Be fair. He traded J.H.I. Well, uh, J.H.I. had value, and and (laughs) Phillips had none. So, uh, yeah, what do you do? uh, Do you just keep him around and wait for the next blow up on the sideline? And evidently, it was was with Rayquan McMillan. I guess they want to protect the rookie a little bit. But why wouldn't you cut your fourth defensive tackle? If this team goes in the toilet because they cut their fourth defensive tackle, then this team wasn't as good as we thought it was to begin with. So, yeah, I say he's in Buffalo now, so he should have about six or seven sacks when we play him. <laughs> but well, I, to be honest, I, don't, I, I doubt he's even on the team by the time we end up getting around to playing them. Yeah, I think, I think if you look at it, though, we have to look at it from sort of the high-up view and just say, I mean, Vincent Taylor just – just took him right I mean mm-hmm. Taylor just took him down and that's that's the way it is I mean Akeem Spence and Devon Godshaw uh played well but Vincent Taylor you know really supplanted him in the rotation and in, as far as significance on the defensive line and this being his contract year that wasn't going to work out well for him and so his attitude sort of took over and um and I think that it was that that probably got them attempting to trade him and it was the lack of uh, the lack of focus, the attitude, um, being being very unhappy about where he was in the rotation and whether he was being featured or not, um, you know, in this all important contract year. You mentioned it, Simon. If you can't step up and do something in your contract year, then that says something about you. But at the same time, it being in your contract year might have put all the more pressure on him. Uh, just like you know. Jarvis Landry kind of had lapses in concentration when he was trying to get that big contract. And so, um, so I wonder, I wonder if that really fed into it, but we got to ask this question. And actually I I saw you replying Simon. And so I want to get your thoughts on it Um, on Twitter. Does Miami have a problem sometimes drafting guys that, you know, maybe aren't, terrible people or you know uh or bad um bad character guys or whatever but do they have a problem when they draft guys that lack maturity because i remember this about jordan phillips when he came out maturity was an issue for him when he came out under on that underperforming look uh was on him that stink was on him when he came out of oklahoma i i think and um, and so I wonder, you know, if if drafting those sorts of guys that lack maturity, does that come back to bite you in the end? I think so. And I, I think it, I, I don't know the, the tweets that you're talking about. And, and this particular person mentioned a number of players, a Jai. Yeah, that's true. Uh, a, a lot of players, to be fair, a Jai, Tunsil, bizarrely, Juwan James. Juwan uh, James, which was really odd. Yeah, yes. a couple of <laughs> others. And, 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 and I think there are things that are similar but there are things that are different so for example jj is or was and probably still is a little bit immature he's also mm-hmm. had a, a back history of some fairly decent problems at, at 
certainly a Boise State. But mm. I would say that you would put Jay in the sort of immature slash diva category. I think Jordan Phillips you would put in the immature slash stubborn category. I mm. think you would put Laramie Tunsil in the immature mental breakdown category. But, you mm. know, Laramie's played very well this year. Except you know, for so, a problem, which continues. Yes, it does continue. And that's the one thing that – but that's what I mean in terms of that mental kind of – so immature slash mental issue. Sure. Um, so I think they are all different – personalities and like you say i don't think any of them you know we're not talking about dd westbrooks or joe mixons or those kind of guys here yeah right but what what i think you are finding are actually guys that don't buy in and i think adam gaze would much rather uh, a guy with 75 percent of the athletic talent but 100 percent of the buy-in rather mm-hmm. than the other way around frankly because i think he can do more he can mold guys you know you can win with you can win with those guys. You can't always win with the guys that don't buy in. The me, 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 me. And he is trying to create that team culture all the time. Team, team, team. You know, And I just don't think that he was getting buy-in from Jarvis Landry and Damon Sue as, as good as those two players were. But then mm. other people like Jay Ajayi, like, uh, like Jordan Phillips, I just think that those guys, unless they're 100% committed, I just don't think that that's what Adam Gaze wants. And I... I, I, you know, we might not agree with it, but I kind of have to respect and commend that attitude. If you're going to, if you're going to die, you may as well die the way that you want to die. And I think that's mm-hmm. what he's doing. So for me, he's the boss. He's in charge of this thing. And if that's what he sees on a daily basis, then then I can only get behind it and applaud it. Alf is is Devonte Parker anything like these guys? And is he perhaps next? Uh, I would say that he is probably next. It- if not for one reason, which is the one that I keep repeating on here, Adam Gase is a fan of his. Mm. Yeah, because I think Devontae works – I think he works hard. I think Devontae is immature and thick. And we've mm. discussed this before. I just don't think he's a very bright human being. And I think he's immature. But uh, – and we all know. We all talk to different guys in and around the facility. I think Devontae works very hard at his craft. The unfortunate thing for Devontae is that certainly he works hard on the field. I think there are some issues – off it in terms of eating and, and I think mm. that plays out in, in terms of some of the injuries that you see but what is Devontae's problem is that he is injured and I don't think he's I don't think he's hugely tough and he can't play through pain but what I do think is that when he is on the field and when he is practicing he's the sort of guy that is 100% effort and I'm not necessarily sure that that was the case with the guys that we have talked about getting rid of mm. and I think there's a subtle difference there sorry Alf, I didn't mean to cut in on you but I just thought that was an important point yeah, Devontae Parker, uh, I wouldn't say he's lazy. Like, that could have been the charge against Jordan Phillips. Uh, mm. The problem with Devontae Parker is his reputation is that as soon as he leaves that building, he's gone until the following year. Uh, mm. Meaning he's not a guy who takes football to mean every single day, 24-7, all, sing- all year. Uh, he's not a guy who in February, when we're not playing, is thinking about, you know, I got to work on this. I got to work on that. I'm going to work on my body. Maybe I want to gain five pounds of muscle. He doesn't do any of those things. Hmm. And it's, it's, it's not loud, but the whispers around that building are that some guys like Kenny Stills uh, don't particularly like that. You know, they want a guy who's, who's bought in as a job. You know, this job is not only for six months. It's for 12 and you have guys like Kenny Stills who really take this seriously and see this other guy who has all the talent in the world, great size, speed, strength, and he really doesn't. And you got you to gotta start to think, 
maybe all these injury issues are because his body is not really made for football because most guys that are made for football work at it 12 months out of the year. And he evidently doesn't. If you can't live up to the standards set by two players such as Kenny Stills and Danny Amendola, if you are not using them as your example, then I don't think you can, I don't think we can help you. Do you know what I mean? If you cannot see those two practice day in and day out and the way that they live their lives, you know, in terms of food, in terms of sleep, in terms of healthy living, in terms of commitment to the cause, in terms of practice off season, the great point that you make there out off season and in season in terms of hydration, all those sorts of things. If you are not using those two as your example, because God knows you can go around the league and you will not find two guys who care about the game more than those two. If, if you are in that receiver's room and you are not following their example day by day, then you are dog dumb. And that will be ultimately, I believe, his downfall, that he just doesn't get it. And let me say one other thing. I watch all these practices and I watch these guys practice and I've, and I've told you guys this before. Danny Amendola and Jakeem Grant practice every single practice as if it's the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. And you watch them and you're like, my God, you know, dial it back a little bit because you look like you're going to get hurt. And then you have other guys like Albert Wilson, who you could tell he's probably going about 95%, but he's a pro. He's earned that right because he knows how how to respond to his body. He knows what his body can and cannot do. Jakeem Grant and Danny Amendola evidently can go 100 miles an hour every practice, every game, every quarter, every snap. And who did Adam Gay say was open all day uh, against <laughs> – Danny Amendola and Jakeem Grant. Now, Devontae Parker seems to have the worst of both worlds. He doesn't ha- He's not particularly dedicated in the offseason. And in practice, yeah, maybe 90%, 92%. You know, those, those routes don't look like the ones he runs in the regular season when, you yeah. know, we actually need him. Gamer, it. right? Yeah. So, you know, and that's understandable. There's guys that, you know, Randy Moss, come on, is, is in the yeah. Hall of Fame and – if he's not the best wide receiver of all time, I'm pretty sure Jerry Rice is, but you can make a very strong case for Randy Moss being the second best of all time. I think you can also make a case that Randy Moss's rookie season was probably the greatest season in history of a wide receiver, just in terms of impact. Mm. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, whether or not he's, whether or not he's, uh, bizarrely, I watched Rand University, which is the Randy Moss 30 for 30 yeah. documentary last night. I've seen that and um, yeah, it's great, isn't it? And it was just, um, just maybe want to put on those. Uh, you can. Th- there's a video on YouTube of every Randy Moss touchdown over 50 yards or 40 yards. And yeah. as soon as I watched that documentary last night, I just put it on. It's it's 10 and a half minutes of absolute sex. <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely incredible. It's just like one-handed catches, Randall Cunningham's 70-yard bombs, and th- do you remember when he destroyed that? Da- when he destroyed the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, he had three catches, all three of them were long touchdowns. It was just like he is absolutely muck. Anyway, I digress. Yeah, but like I was saying, Randy Moss can do that, but that's a guy who comes once every 30 years maybe. Yeah. Devontae Parker can't do that. Devontae Parker has to be more in the mold of a Danny Amendola, of a Jakeem Grant. Do you you remember when Randy Moss was on the board and we traded down and uh, and picked John Avery? Yes. Do you remember? <laughs> yes, he I remember. traded down <laughs> from 19 to 22 or 18 to 22. Yes. He went, he went 19th to the Vikings and we traded out and took John Avery. And, and God funniest, knows that Jimmy Johnson at the time didn't need to give a I weapon know. to Dan Marino. And the funniest thing about John Avery was that he, he really only had one great play, which was at home against the 
then LA Rams. And the funniest thing was that it was missed entirely by the broadcast because they were in commercial and they missed, I think <laughs> yes. it was a commercial timeout. And we came back and Avery had just ripped off like a 45 yarder and you only saw like the last three yards of it. And that was the greatest, that was the longest run he ever had as a dolphin and you never saw it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Thanks, thanks Jimmy remember, Johnson. Do you remember when it was traded? Like the, it was like the first round flops swap. Mm. Uh, uh, Marcus. Oh, who Nash. did we got? Yeah, Nash, the Denver guy. Marcus, uh, yeah, yeah, from Denver. Marcus Nash played Gosh. with Peyton Manning at Tennessee. Well, Simon, tell our listeners about Bet DSI. Yeah, we have a sponsor. We have good friends, Bet DSI. These boys are um, my co-hosts. Like a little, uh, like a little tickle at the betting shop. Oh, do you have betting shops in the US? You probably don't. <laughs> do you? Uh, we're gonna have them because uh, oh, it wait. was struck down. It was struck down nationally. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Chris. <laughs> laughing in the background. <laughs> So <laughs> we have betting shops over here in the UK. Betting shop. I tell you, unbelievable. We this call them sports books. We call them sports are, books here in the US. This is essentially some form of racism, I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the NFL and NCAA seasons are rattling along. Can you believe it's almost week five? And God, it must be week six of the college season. Massive game this weekend in the Red River rivalry. So take your pigskin knowledge to the bank with our commercial partners, BetDSI.com. They are now celebrating 20 years online, have an impeccable reputation with great service and fast payment for all your winnings. They have an excellent mobile interface so you can play, win, and get paid anytime. And to help you get started, our friends at BetDSI are offering double your money on your first deposit. So deposit now, start winning, and get up to $2,500 for free. So double your money from the get-go. When it comes to football, BetDSI has every wager you could ever want or imagine. If it's happening in sports, they'll put a line on it. The NFL, the NCAA, Major League Baseball, UFC, it's a massive fight this weekend. Uh, McGregor against Khabib, uh, Premier League football, the Champions League, eSports, even political stuff. You can bet when the president will be impeached. So join BetDSI today using promo code YARDS101. That's YARDS101 to get in the action and get money so do not stand on the sidelines enjoy the games that much more when you play and bet with a bet dsi.com uh simon uh you can also bet on umfsu yeah well you could if you're a mug or you could just <laughs> enjoy the game and watch um beat fsu by about 60 points <laughs> <laughs> well a, a lot of other things happened this week and one of them was we have a new center maybe in a few weeks. Apparently not. Barry Jackson reports tonight that Travis Swanson will stay at center. Yeah, but, you know, we signed another one, and oh, no. Chris seems to know yeah, a lot about guy. him. Uh, yeah, we signed we signed Wesley Johnson, uh, and and he's just – so first off, this is, this is what you read into it. Wesley Johnson being signed was a sure sign that, uh, that they're not going to move Ted Larson from guard to – from left guard to center, that they're going to continue on with Travis Swanson at center – because what is Wesley Johnson? He is a dedicated backup center. And they wouldn't need a dedicated backup center if they were going to move Ted Larson over there because that's what Travis Swanson would be. They would need a left guard instead. And Wesley Johnson has never been particularly good at left guard. So, um, so that means that. Uh, what I take into it, uh, and I've actually known Wesley Johnson, or not personally, obviously, but um, <laughs> but I've known of him and and tracked him since um, since 2013, when he was with Vanderbilt as a left tackle, and I saw him play against Jadavian Clowney 
of South Carolina and absolutely shut him down. And uh, and it was so bad that Jadavian Clowney, he this was a guy Jadavian would never really move from you know flip flop from from uh, from right to left uh, and and back and forth. He was a guy that stayed on one side at the time. I think think they had Devin Taylor on the other side. Um, and Melvin Ingram uh, played opposite him at sometimes as well. Uh, they actually moved him to the other side because Wesley Johnson was shutting him down so bad. So that was immediate, immediate love at first sight when I saw Wesley Johnson do that. And so I've, um, so I've really appreciated him. He had a reputation for being a very brainy guy. And, uh, and so the, the talk started to be of him moving to center because of that, because he might not have the physical, um, physical ability to play left tackle in the NFL so he's been a center with a couple of different teams uh, most notably and most recently the New York Jets uh, where he started all of 2017 and was regarded or graded by pro football focus to be was it the worst absolute worst offensive lineman in all of football because it was, it was. <laughs> um, so and of course Alf you've you've talked about it and you've told me that um that the word on the street is that he was held together with hot glue and painter's tape that year so he was he was really dealing with some a lot of injuries and and virtually crippled I took a look at him in the preseason of this year with the Detroit Lions and uh and I gotta say for two games I didn't see anybody that you would grade that poorly uh, he had exemplary performances at center, uh, only a few minor nits when he played left guard for the Lions, and they had to do with zone plays and um, and not being able to stick with some of the defensive tackles. Granted, it's preseason. Preseason doesn't mean that much, but the skill set that he put on display was a total veteran's skill set. So what do you take from this? Uh, Wesley Johnson probably spending way too much time on him as it is because he's just a backup center. This is a guy that can't stay healthy. That's probably why he is not with a team already. Um, but Miami doesn't need him to be on the team long term and to have a really bright future. What they need is a breaking case of glass emergency guy. If Travis Swanson, um, you know, sucks, gets killed or uh, or injured. So, um, so I think that uh, that as in that role being a break in case of emergency break glass in case of emergency guy he can do that uh as long, you're not going to need to count on him for an entire season or multiple seasons to stay healthy and so i think it's um it's a it's a good signing it's it's just a solid a solid move it's one that got panned by a lot of people because of the pro football focus grade but um those grades don't necessarily tell you everything about the player before we go to break, uh, we have more news. Rashad Jones will play, so some good news in a sea of what was absolute trash on Twitter this week. And the other part that I found very interesting is that we have a renewed battle at corner since Bobby McCain is going to be out for the next two to three weeks. The return of Tankersley. <laughs> Simon, yeah, what do you make of it? Just two things on Wesley Johnson very, very quickly. Um, one is that he started 25 games, which is, you know, not a, a small amount in the NFL. I mean, that's right. a fairly experienced guy. And I think the reason why he was so banged up was because apparently he loses about 20 to 25 pounds through the season. He really struggles to keep weight on. Mm. And I think the more the season went, the season goes on, he picks up injuries because they can't quite work out why he loses so much weight 
Um, and I think that in terms of that battering of his body as the season wore on, that was essentially where the problems were. Anyway, enough of Wesley Johnson. What do I think? It's interesting, actually. I read the article from Barry Jackson this evening where Barry said that Tank had been told that he and Torian McTire would essentially split time at cornerback and that over the past sort of four or five weeks, given the horrendous preseason that he had, um, he's had numerous chats with uh, multiple chats with both Coach Gaze and with Mike Tannenbaum about trying to raise his level of um, confidence in that I think both of them felt that he was a little bit down on himself because of the way that he played in preseason, which, you know, I mean, this was a guy that was supposed to come in and take a, a starter's job, given that he played fairly well at times last year and you'd expect a second season improvement, a bit like we saw with Xavier Howard a couple of seasons ago. And that really hasn't happened, has it? He's kind of the arse has fallen out of his world. Um McTyre admitted that he he hadn't played a great game, but then, God, who else did? Um, yeah. Apart from pretty much Minka Fitzpatrick and Vincent Taylor uh, against the Patriots. Um, Cameron Wake. That, yeah, Cameron Wake, yeah. And that yep. he needs to do better, uh, that he missed a few tackles, that he's been picked up on both by his position coach and his head coach, and needs to make sure that he does a better job of open field tackling. Um, I, I mean, look, are we going to get the tankers lead that we saw flashes of last season, or are we going to get the tankers lead that we saw in preseason, getting bummed to death by people like Curtis Samuel in that horrendous Panthers preseason game? Um, I suspect that. I mean, look, there's there's talent there. He was a talented kid at, at Clemson. He showed talent last season. I don't think you become a bad player overnight. I just wonder whether or not. Maybe you do become a bad player of not. I don't know. I, I, I have. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was trying to say something prophetic and profound that would make it look like everything's going to be all right. And I was, I was shit. Yeah, I was literally just fuck it. He sucks. <laughs> no, he doesn't really. And if you're listening, Cordray, you don't suck at all. I, I, I tend to think that McTyre will play more than Cordray, but I think that, I think he needs to play. He needs to play games, and he just needs, you know, he just needs to be. You know, he needs a he needs an interception off somebody's ass that he can just you know get a bit of confidence or a nice hit or a good tackle or those kind of things because you know he's clearly going to have to play over the next few weeks with Bobby out. The confidence thing is is the biggest is the biggest issue for Cordray because when he started to make um, mistakes, he made a lot of mistakes in his communication and his identification of what what coverage he needed to be playing, and he found himself in the wrong spot a lot this preseason. And I think it all really snowballed from there when he started making those bad decisions and letting up big plays, then he started playing tight. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's, he's just, um, he's not staying glued to guys and he's playing too conservative or now he's playing too aggressive to try and make up for it. And it's just, it's going back and forth and it's, it's really bad. I don't know when I look at this game and we'll get into the, the specifics of this game in particular, in a bit, but when I look at AJ Green and Tyler Boyd, and then um, you know John Ross, if he uh, if he comes in, uh, I don't know that I trust Cordrea Tankersley with the communication issues that he's had uh, both last year and in the preseason this year, because I think that you're probably going to want some shadowing happening with Xavier Howard and AJ Green, and possibly, and we'll talk about Minka Fitzpatrick and his role in this game, possibly making Fitzpatrick shadowing Tyler Boyd. And if that's happening, then um, then there's going to have to be a lot of communication with that secondary, and they're going to have to be switching their alignments a lot and, and staying on top of their coverages. And I don't know that I trust Cordrea to, to stay on top of all that. He's going to find – he's going to start playing zone, and he was supposed to play man. He's going to start playing – 
you know, or the other way around. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's really, it's really, when you don't trust a guy like that, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to, or when you lose that trust in a guy like that, it's hard to get it back. Well, I saw a blurb on Twitter saying that Adam Gase and Matt Burke had been talking to Cordray Tankersley and trying to work on his confidence. That doesn't sound like something I would want to see up against this Bengals receiving core. Well, when we come back after this break, we will talk about those Cincinnati Bengals and preview that game. But first, these words. Hey, this is Seth Levitt, and I am here with two-time Miami Dolphins team MVP. Seth, 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 man. They already know this is OJ McDuffie. Why don't you tell them what we're really here for? We're excited to join the crew at the Five Reasons Sports Network to bring you our new podcast, The Fish Tank, Dolphins Tales from the Deep. OJ, tell them what they can expect when they dive in. Yeah, Big Seth, we've got some of your favorite all-time Dolphin players in the tank sharing some of the best stories that you've never heard. So it looks like Sasquatch because he's <laughs> chasing it. Because you, you know Izzo with his clothes on. He's so hairy, that guy. <laughs> Wait, why are you looking so, at me like I know yeah. Lizzo with his no, clothes off? Seth with his clothes off. So make sure you find the fish tank on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or if you're one of those Android people, Google Play Music, or on several cross-platform apps, including Podbean and Stitcher. Thanks for diving in. Josh Darrow here, host of the Five Rings Podcast, where it's always a Canes thing on the Five Reasons Sports Network. What are we about? Pretty easy. I want to tell stories, and I want to share the journey for the players and coaches, past and present, affiliated with the University of Miami. Take Manny Diaz. He grew up in Miami. He grew up going to the Orange Bowl. It was, you know, it was all those 1980s teams, you know, that that's where it all started for me. And just just the style of play and and really it was it really took hold when Jimmy Johnson was here and you know, sitting there in the Orange Bowl in 86 when we were whipping Oklahoma and just, you know what I mean, just just speed and then violence. You know what I mean? It, 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 you know, we're not only, you know, you know, Nebraska was a changing of college football. It's those kind of memories we want to share with you. Listen, subscribe, rate, review. We appreciate the support. The Five Rings Podcast, where it's always a Canes thing, and we're always a part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. We're back, and we are going to review the Cincinnati Bengals. But first of all, let me tell you about our sponsor, BetQL. Want to get an edge over Vegas and the books? BetQL is available for download, and it's the only mobile app that puts all the important research you need to make smart bets in one place. With BetQL, you can easily access line movement to see how the lines have moved. This app gives you access to public betting trends in real time so you can see which side the public favors. BetQL's powerful algorithm gives users value bets of the day based off of detailed recent and historical trends. You can also calculate your return on your picks and track them throughout the day. The best part of all is that you can download BetQL for free from your Apple or Android device. Head to BetQL.co to download the only app you need to outsmart Vegas. That's BetQL.co. BetQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizers trusted by 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android. And we are facing the Cincinnati Bengals. A lot of people online and on Twitter, besides all the freaking out that everybody has, you know, partaken in this week, is starting to make this uh, 
a must-win game because God knows that people freaked out over going three and one. Can you imagine next week if they're three and two? <laughs> so serious pant shitting if that happens. <laughs> yes. So Simon, what do you see in this game? Uh, what are the matchups that you're looking most forward to? I think it's a really difficult game, actually. And I think in many ways it's more difficult than the game last week because I actually think the Bengals are a more talented football team than the Patriots are. If you take it mano a mano, I, I think they're not as well coached. Obviously, Marvin Lewis is not Bill Belichick in terms of coaching. Um, you know, is Bill Lazor as good as Josh McDaniels? I don't think so, although Lazor's had a very good year. Um, but I do think that, you know, in terms of their ability across the board, I think they have some serious talent. What they do have, and what certainly goes in our favour, is that they do seem to have a number of injuries. You know, they are they are like Giovanni Bernard, who's had back-to-back good weeks. Looks like he may not play at all. Joe Mixon is on his way back, and, and I think practice today, and therefore, you know, should play. Um, but he's coming off, uh, you know, a couple of weeks out. Obviously, they lost Tyler Eifert to injury, so CJ Azuma, who is a guy that I know that they really like, um, should play. But obviously, you know, Eifert was a was a, a decent talent. Uh, John Ross has missed practice for a couple of days, which would be a real bonus if Ross isn't playing because you know all of a sudden that you know that three four dimensional offense really if you throw in the running backs, but certainly that three dimensional offense at receiver with with obviously with AJ Green who's you know very good Tyler Boyd who's developed into a really good player and Ross is a really really difficult threesome to to try and shut down. Offensive line has got better. Clint Bowling's playing very well. Cordy Glenn's playing very well at left tackle. So I think you know. And, and, and I'm not a fan of Andy Dalton at all, but Dalton's had an excellent season and that was a really good drive that he had to... Look, they went on the road and beat the Falcons. They went on the road the week before and almost beat the Panthers and were, it was no shame in losing to 10 points in a game that was significantly closer than the final score indicated because they were in that game right until the end. Uh, drove down the field last week and AJ Green scores the touchdown with six seconds to go in the corner of the end zone, beating Carlton Davis for the touchdown. Um, you know, I think um, I think it's a really good team, and defensively, Geno Atkins is about as back as it gets in terms of you know he's clearly back to to full strength. I think William Jackson struggled last week, but generally has played very well. Jesse Bates, rookie free safety from Wake Forest, is playing very well. There's a lot of talent on that team, and I think the Dolphins are in for a, a difficult night. And you know, it was what two years ago that we went up on a Thursday night up to Cincinnati and, and shit the bed up there. Um, you know, we play well. We tend to play well when we come off a, a, a bit of a stunning defeat like we had last week. But um, I would be fearful of this game because I do think the Bengals are a team to be reckoned with in the final shakedown. I think ultimately a lack of great leadership in terms of coaching will, would, would not make them win a Super Bowl. But you could certainly see them. I could certainly see them and make an argument for them in an AFC Championship game back into the season. What do you boys think? I think that this game is a lot tougher for me to project than I thought it was going to be. Um, I think I've, I've said this before that before the season began, we kind of in our Titans preview, I think Alf uh, ended up cutting it out of our, uh, the final podcast, but uh, we, we went, do you remember we went game by game and sort of predict, mm. predicted how the season was going to start for Miami. And um, I thought, I thought three and two, I thought three in a row with uh, the Titans, the Jets and the, um, the Raiders and then with New England I've penciled that in as a loss for the longest time because it's in New England and I thought that they would lose again on the road to Cincinnati and I, I thought that this could be a really good team Cincinnati Bengals this year and um, and then when I started taking a look a lot closer of a look today and started looking at the matchups and and what kinds of teams they are it, it really started to 
get harder because this is not the New England Patriots. I know that you say they're a lot more talented, but they don't have even close to the same approach that the Patriots did that caused us to really get blown out once we once we got on the wrong rail uh, in that game uh, they they are not they're actually it's astonishing how similar Miami Miami is to to Cincinnati these are very alike football teams in their offensive and, and defensive approaches uh, even in their talent levels on in different areas of um, of the team uh, their defensive approaches are very similar um, the the big differences kind of cancel one and one another out because obviously we do not have a wide receiver duo like uh, AJ Green and Tyler Boyd but at the same time they don't have a corner duo like Xavier Howard and Minka Fitzpatrick either. So, um, so I think that those those kind of cancel one another and one another out. And what you're left with is a defense that looks a lot like ours did last year, with the the speed at linebacker being a big issue. Uh, Vontae's perfect is going to come back. That's not going to help the speed at linebacker. He's a 5.0 speed kind of guy. Um, they're the one guy that they have that's fast in the, in that linebackers unit. Jordan Evans doesn't play in nickel and their nickel is on the field, you know, most of the time, just like most NFL defenses in the league. Last, last week we played a team that was between, you know, nickel dime and, and quarter, even, you know, seven defensive backs. Um, this week we play a team that's just all base or nickel. They don't play any dime whatsoever. Uh, they're a lot like us. And to make it worse, they have bad speed in the linebackers unit. So they have the look that drove us nuts, really, all, all year last year and uh, this year when Jerome Baker's not on the field. You know, in terms of the speed and the sluggishness in the linebackers unit and being unable to cover out of base defense, um, having trouble on some, uh, some third and longs because of the speed underneath and in the linebackers unit they don't play the high iq games that new england did and and that makes me wonder you know maybe maybe miami does have a chance here uh coming off bouncing back off of this horrible horrible defeat on the road trying to get a do-over on the road against the cincinnati Bengals. and meanwhile the Bengals came off that that real barn burner against the atlanta falcons uh, that went back and forth. It was a very high-scoring game. They're, they're flying high right now. They're feeling very good about themselves. Um, and they, they have reason to because they're a good team this year, and I think they're 3-1 uh, they're and one just like we are. Uh, I wonder. I wonder if we're playing each other, you know, us coming off the bad loss, them coming off the big win. Um, I, they could be in for a letdown. It's, it's possible. It's possible. These teams are really alike. Well, this is what I see in the, in the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Joe Mixon is coming back. Giovanni Bernard doesn't look to play. Mark Walton is going to play. They're missing their center in Billy Price. They have some injuries on that, on that offense. They could be a more singularly focused team than what they've shown most of the year. And if they're throwing the ball against us, a majority of the time, you know, we can get to Andy Dalton. And if we do get to Andy Dalton, we do lead the league in interceptions. We can turn him over and that could lead to us sneaking out of there with a win. But I sought to, to concentrate more on our quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. Mm. I wrote before the season that we could have a good season because if you do believe in quarterback rating differential, it was entirely possible that Ryan Tannehill was going to be better than the quarterback across from him a majority of the time. And if he just lived up to his end of the bargain, you know, we were going to win games just purely based on our quarterback play. And I also, you know, banked on our secondary being pretty good. And I think that they've lived up to that. 
But I wrote something on Dolphin Maven, and I concentrated on Ryan Tannehill and how he he bounces back. Uh, he has a career passer rating of 87.1. Five times he's fallen below that in the Adam Gase era. He's bounced back with an average passer rating of 102.6 mm-hmm. in the games right after that. Then if you look at the Cincinnati team and you look at how we're going to match up across the board, now if A.J. Green is just going to torch Xavier Howard, then forget everything I just told you, <laughs> all right? But if we can trust Xavier Howard to, I wouldn't say shut him down, but hold A.J. Green down, and Minka Fitzpatrick is who we think he is, and we are getting Rashad Jones back, I don't think that we're in a track meet with the Cincinnati Bengals. And our biggest problem is getting off the field on third downs. We're allowing 50% conversions on third downs on defense. Well, Cincinnati is the worst in the NFL on third downs. They're they're allowing 57.4% conversions on third downs. Mm Mm-hmm. So this could be the elixir that we may need to get us right back on track. Now, of course, we're not very good on the road, but yeah, that's you know, the big one. That's the big one. Yeah. There has to come a time where it turns because this just can't, this if just can't go on so forever. Alike, if we're so alike as teams, and I, I think the, the two teams are very alike, you know, right down to the third down, third downs that you're talking about. Um, if the teams are so alike, we are a good, Miami is a great home team like a really good home team. Yes. Uh, and so and a and a poor road team. So if they're alike in that way, uh then the favorable, you know, matchup here is to Cincinnati because they're at home. So that's the thing to keep in mind. Yeah, I was going to just a couple of things. Which quarterback in the NFL is the best under pressure and facing the blitz this season? It's Ryan Tannehill. It's not, it's Andy Dalton. He really? has 145.5 passer rating against the blitz this season he doesn't try to do too much pressure this year um do you know what i think the dolphins will try and do yeah 100 percent, chris i agree 100 percent. do you know what i think the dolphins will really want to try and do which they really failed to do against new england which is try and re-establish the running game you know Kenyon drake left the locker room without talking to reporters after three carries i think he's only had 103 yards rushing this season you know we've really struggled to get that running game going since the first week of the season really against tennessee the concern for me is this week, you know, you're going up against a revitalized Geno Atkins who's playing mm. at a very high level. Andrew Billings, who's grading out really high for them, playing really well. You know, defensive ends wise, Dunlap, Michael Johnson, Sam Hubbard, who's who started the season brilliantly. You've got Carl Lawson in the mix as well. And and as much as we talk about that lack of speed at linebacker in terms of, you know, Vontaze Perfect, but also Preston Brown, who's played well for them so far in terms of hoovering up tackles, what helps the linebacker core for the Bengals and will hinder us, I think, is the strength, because their strength, and really it's their team strength, actually, is that interior defensive line pretty much plays against our weakest part of our team, which is the interior of the offensive line. And you can, you know, we know that Ryan doesn't do particularly well with pressure right in his face. It's that kind of Tom Brady effect where pressure right towards Ryan he, he really struggles with and sort of almost kind of ends up cowering down and crouching into the pressure. Uh, and obviously us trying to establish a running game against, you know, a big guy like Billings, a really active guy with incredible hands like a Geno Atkins, really, uh, as well as I think you're right, and we do match up in certain areas well with them. That would be a real concern for me in trying to get that running game started and therefore putting everything on the arm of Ryan again without having a really balanced offense simply because we can't get going because the interior of our line is just getting beasted every down yeah i think it is important though uh to to differentiate a little bit in between you know pass between passer rating under pressure versus the blitz uh andy dalton is doing fantastic against the blitz um this year i don't necessarily 
know if that's the same under pressure. Uh, the, the passer rating that I have um, from Pro Football Focus is a 75. Uh, it's about middle of the league. I think that um, the the real thing to, to watch with that is when you look at their offensive line, you don't need to blitz him because that offensive line is trash. It is. It is absolute, utter garbage. If you look at the right side of that, long, that line, Bobby Hart, if Cameron Wake does not have a, you know, a banner Cameron Wake day against Bobby Hart, then it's only because the game got away from them. And, you know, Andy Dalton just got rid of the ball within two seconds all day long, which he does. This is one of the reasons the two teams are alike is because Andy Dalton gets rid of the ball as quickly as Ryan Tannehill was pre new England. So um, I think that, I think that if he's holding onto the ball, like a reasonable quarterback does, then Cameron wake against Bobby Hart is going to matter. Um, they have they're they're without Billy Price and uh, and the the replacement has been bad. Their right guard uh, Redmond Alex Redmond has been mm. an utter disaster. And and if you look at the left tackle uh, with Cordy Glenn, you know Cordy Glenn does have some strengths, particularly in the run game, but he's also got some real vulnerabilities. And he just showed it last week. I mean he gets he gets sped around the edge by edge rushers by true outside pass rushers. And, and he doesn't, and this has always been a problem for Cordy Glenn. And that's, that's exactly what Miami has at that position opposite Cordy Glenn in Robert Quinn. He, they have, you know, a quintessential edge rusher in, uh, in Robert Quinn. So you're talking about the, the defensive line of the Cincinnati Bengals and how it could do things to Miami's offensive line, but also, our defensive line, Miami Dolphins' defensive line, matches up extremely well. Yeah, trash. Mm-hmm. Eddie Bengals. That um, that triumvirate of guys you mentioned, Glenn, Redmond, and Hart. I think they allowed. I think I saw a stat earlier on. They allowed thirteen pressures between them mm. it, solely in that Atlanta game last week. And I think Redmond's now allowed the third most pressures. I think it was eighteen, but it could have been sixteen of any guard in the league this season. Glenn has allowed the sixth most or fourth most of any offensive tackle. So there's certainly hate to be made in terms of us getting pressure on on Andy Dalton. Again, who's, an, you know, I think we can get to him. And especially with Mixon coming off the injury, without Gio Bernard as that kind of, you know, factor back out. No, well, we don't blitz very often anyway, do we? we? Let's be fair. No, we don't. Not we, anyway, we're not. But- we're not a blitz-heavy team anyway, but um, yeah, I, I, I definitely think there's hate to be made, uh, and, and I think that would be a concern for both teams in terms of whether or not they can match up against you know respective offensive lines. Just for me, trying to get the balance of that mm-hmm. run game going for the Dolphins, that could be a concern. Yeah. Well, before we get to to predictions, let's talk a little bit about their defense. And I look at their defense, and this is a talented bunch. And it's basically a who's who of guys that I've liked coming out of college. You got Carlos Dunlap. Geno Atkins is, is spectacular. He's back to being Geno Atkins. Carl Lawson, a guy who I stumped for, I wanted on this team. And a guy that you like, Simon, and is having a pretty good year, Jesse Bates. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that uh, I love to wait for us. I think he could play corner. He, he's, he's got corner ability, certainly. Um, and he started really well. I think he had a couple of interceptions. There's certainly an interception week one. Uh, he's very fluid, can get sideline to sideline. They've played him a lot in single high. They got rid of Georgia Loka. Um, and Bates just looks like one of those kind of smooth, athletic kind of guys that ends up playing eight, ten years. I know, you know, listen, we're going to talk about 
we collectively as the NFL, I was going to say NFL family, and that sounded so wanky, <laughs> but you, you know what I mean. I think Derwin James is obviously, uh, and Minka are obviously playing very well, but you know, you look at some of the numbers in terms of highest graded rookies, Bates is right up there behind Minka, and I, I think Pro Football Focus ranked Je- uh, Derwin as the best, Minka is the second best, and Jesse Bates is the third best this season. Um, I think he's played very, very well. I think, you know, Pro Football Focus, uh, I think they've split into individual teams, and whilst I'm not a massive fan of their what they do, um, I know that they also have him, you know, very, very highly rated. He's just a he's just a very, very good player. And you look around the league at guys like the Harold Landrys and the Fred Warners and the Darius Leonards, the guys that are going a little bit under the radar in terms of their ability. And and look to an extent Jerome Baker and Chris made a very valid point in a conversation that he and I were having yesterday. That actually Baker's played pretty well and we're kind of under you know, we're kind of undergrading collectively we are kind of I think of we have a blind spot, that's all. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. But um yeah, I, I think Bates is a really good player, and the sort of player who just reads defense, even for a even for a, a younger guy, reads offenses really well, and it's just one of those athletic kind of, you know, sideline to sideline guys that could cause us some could cause us some problems. But on defense, on defense, you look at the and you're talking about turnovers and interceptions and stuff. They don't have a single interception this year out of nickel defense, not not one. And um, and so you know, you're looking at it. Do they allow a high you know yardage yards per uh, per attempt out of nickel or when they're in their nickel defense? No, it's 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 all right. It's you know kind of middling to to good. But they haven't intercepted a single ball there. Whereas Miami, you know, it's the complete you know, opposite end of the spectrum here. Miami has nine interceptions this year, and you know six of them came in nickel defense, uh, and three of them came in base defense. So so if you're if you're facing their nickel and you're not really that fearful about the the turnovers, um, then you can make hay there. But what they don't do is they don't stop the run very well. Despite that defensive line strength, they are bad in defending the run. And I think the reason why is probably the linebackers that and the linebacker speed that they have. I think when obviously when Vontae's perfect comes back and be careful what you wish for because he's he's good against the run but I think that Miami has a real um, opportunity if they pursue it if they really get with uh, Kenyon Drake and give him feed him the ball over and over again because Kenyon Drake what does he like to do he likes to bounce it outside he likes to uh, he likes to peel back and and really make something ridiculous happen going to the perimeter of the field. This is the defense to do that again because those linebackers can't chase them out to the perimeter. They um they don't have the speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is another this is another week that you could look at. I and mean, last week they did it. Miami did this to Stephen Gilmore, and Stephen Gilmore got called for defensive pass interference. They walk Kenyon Drake out to the perimeter and then they throw to him. This is something that Adam Gase just loves to do. He loves to go empty, and he loves to have Kenyon Drake out on the perimeter and throw to him. And he, They ran um, a double move with him against Stephen Gilmore. Stephen Gilmore bit hard on it, and the only thing that he could do was just grab Kenyon by the waist and make sure that he wasn't going to catch that ball. And so he got called for the pass interference. They're going to do that, except the guys that are going to walk out there with, uh, with Kenyon Drake on occasion are going to be somebody like Nick Vigil. Or uh, you know, or, or maybe even God. Oh, let's let, let us pray. <laughs> yeah, and if you're and if you're lucky, maybe maybe even um, you know, Vontae's perfect with 5.0 speed. Uh, I don't yeah. think that's going to favor the Cincinnati Bengals, and you can make a big play that way. And I know this is Adam Gase versus this defense. I think that Adam Gase versus a New England defense. It's really high IQ. 
and does things, you know, very intelligently and uses all these situations of down and distance as sort of a 12th defender. I think Adam Gase tends to have trouble against them. Uh, against a defense that's a lot more straightforward, like, uh, like Cincinnati's is, Adam Gase loves to figure out reverse engineer the mechan- their mechanics and their rules and then uh, use those against them and get the right matchups and stuff like that. He's going mm. gonna to get some stuff that he wants against this defense. And, um, and so it's going to be interesting to watch whether, whether they can take advantage of it. I think you can make hay in the running game by getting Kenyon Drake to the outside. I think you can also get, you know, pass catching on them um, by challenging the perimeter. You know, we talked about last week, uh, you know, will New England be able to keep up with our speed? And that was the whole story, right? It was uh, mm-hmm. about Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant and Kenyon Drake, and we have all the speed, speed, speed everywhere. Well, what did New England do to keep up with the speed? They put six defensive backs out there. Uh, yeah, okay, job done. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? Cincinnati's not going to do that. Cincinnati's not going to do that at all, not a single time. Right. And so, so I think that now that does expose them to Vontae's perfect and Nick Vigil and guys like that to our speed and so maybe you know maybe this could be a resumption of what we saw in the first three weeks speaking of predictions boys let's get to them but before we do that i've got some fun bulletin board information that has just dropped in front of me okay this has come from the cincinnati bengals locker room in the last hour tyler boyd was asked about the dolphins defense i think they're going to play a rookie on me he said i.e minka fitzpatrick Follow-up question. Sounds like you're excited about the prospect. Laughs. He's a rookie. Not saying he's very bad, but I'm a much smarter, better player. I know how to defeat leverage. He doesn't worry me at all. Okay. So <laughs> Three catches, 21 yards for Boyd. <laughs> Tyler Boyd giving it the big one. Yeah. Right. That might have, has that fired you boys up enough? For some sexy predictions, Alfredo, my man, give us your prediction for Miami up in Cincinnati on Sunday at 1 p.m. I think Ryan Tannehill bounces back, has a good game, and Andy Dalton has one of those implosion games with a couple of turnovers, which he's known to do. And that will be enough to even out a bad road team in Miami. Mm-hmm. and an average home team in Cincinnati, and what could be probably a better team in Cincinnati, Miami sneaks out of there with a win. And Jason Sanders cool. kicks the game-winning field goal, 24-23, right. Miami. Christoph? I think that, you know, on the road, I said that we're either just good enough to win, you know, just barely good enough to win, just barely bad enough to lose, or just plain bad. Um, I think that we're just barely – bad enough to lose in this one on the road with under Adam Gaze. So I'm going to go with 28 to 26 uh, in favor of the Cincinnati Bengals. And I am going to go Cincinnati 31, Miami 17. I think we struggle on the road against a Bengals team that is better than us. And we end up, uh, listen, I'm bringing the depression, okay? <laughs> I am full-on mental illness. If you're listening to this in your car, driving to work in the morning, you may as well just drive straight into the arm code because it's not getting any better, frankly. It's a British thing. <laughs> you what? <laughs> I said, is this a British thing? <laughs> no, it's, this, is just a, this is just a thing. 
Uh, this is a this Miami is, Dolphins fan. This thing. is a Miami Dolphins thing. Yeah, I mean, I was a cheerful, happy-go-lucky young man before I met the Miami Dolphins. Now <laughs> I'm like, you know, I, walk, I, I can barely walk past a bridge without thinking. Yeah. Well, you about, know what I'm thinking. You know what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that last week, everybody besides us, we all had it right. But everybody out there in Dolphin Twitterland was all pumping their chests, talking about putting an end to the New England Patriots. And yeah. we get absolutely bombed. Yeah. Everybody's depressed this week, and the Dolphins surprise us, and we win. We this shall see. The first week, we've all disagreed on something on, yeah. The, yeah. Uh, on the outcome here. We will be back on Monday night, essentially, with our dissection of what happened. Come what may, Dolphins win, Dolphins lose. We shall, we shall find out. We shall be here with our analysis as we are every Monday evening. And then we shall return again with our preview of the following week's game, which I think is against the Bears. But I, God knows it's one game at a time uh, mm-hmm. in these perilous times. Uh, but yes, Monday and Thursday, don't forget to look out for the boys uh, across the three, across the um, Five Reasons Sports Network up on Dolphins Maven. We've got some great writers, Harvey Fialkoff. Uh, Craig, Chris, obviously, is doing stuff. Uh, Houts is doing stuff. Uh, Alf is doing stuff. Uh, Ethan Skolnick, obviously, doing stuff. So uh, you can get all sorts of great information there in terms of, I think there's a, a really good piece today on Kiko, sort of analysing Kiko Alonso and uh, and what makes him tick. So get all that there. Obviously, there's 62,000 podcasts. I think there's one on Space Hoppers that's launching this week. Um, I, think, I think that's a new one that we've got guys in it or... Um, Something like that, and shark hunting, or um, I don't know, the space force. Yeah, the space force, I think, or the Mexican wall build. I think there's a podcast on that. I think that's coming as part of the network. Um, Yeah, uh, kindergarten teaching. That's another one as well. Let's find out. I think Ethan and Chris are thinking of moving to France and uh, setting up a bull academy, which is like a little bit like bowls. So there'll be a podcast on that as well. So doubtfully, doubtless you'll be able to get that too. As I say, we shall be back Monday and Thursday. Enjoy the game, come what may, and we shall see you then. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.